Hello, everyone. I'm so excited about my guest today. Her and I actually go way back. Um, I first met Dominique, um, I can't even remember the year, but you were my student at Texas State. Yes, I think it was 2010. 2010. So it's been a hot minute right now. Yes. So, and before, if anyone is joining us on the video, um, I want to let you know she is not driving right now. She is a passenger. I'm not driving. No. (laughs) All right. So we don't have to worry about distracted driving. But I'm so excited to have you here today because I really want to just have you share some pieces of your story and kind of talk to people about where you are now and how you keep yourself. I mean, just looking at you now, everyone who can't see her, she's smiling or she's glowing. She's just always kind of exudes this presence of somebody you want to be around because you're like, oh, that girl knows where the fun is. So I want you to tell everyone how you keep the magic and sparkle alive, given everything that you've gone through. So, oh my gosh, magic and sparkle alive. Okay. So, um, I find myself lately having surrounding myself with like really positive people. Um, it took me a while to learn boundaries, um, and how to filter out people who deserve my energy versus those who don't. Mm -hmm. And so once I, I learned that through, um, through a lot of spending time by myself and, and therapy, I, I think I just started wanting to be around people who wanted to be around me. Um, and that really, I mean, honestly, it sounds cheesy, but that kind of saved me, like being around people who wanted to be around me and not having to like beg for energy and pull for energy. Um, makes it makes a hell of a difference it does it and at all. especially after last year which okay like 2020 was like a like a blip like, like a blip in a simulation so it was definitely really important for me to find my tribe and to find like good people to be around um because I don't think any of us knew what was going to happen last year yeah you know, you already have said so much, you know, talking about boundaries and really surrounding yourself with the people who are going to give back to you energetically, you know, so talk to me a little bit about what got you to that place where you knew that you had to do that, you know, given oh your background and your story and, you know, what, what made you get to that point? I, okay. Nothing against people pleasers. Right. But I used to be like a huge people pleaser. Um, and I used to also find myself um, you know how you can kind of feel when when a relationship and not just like boyfriend girlfriend but even like a friendship is kind of falling apart yeah. um, and you try your best to save it and you feel like you're the only one doing the work and it just becomes exhausting um, I found myself in a lot of a lot of that especially like after college like post-college and you're trying to maintain these friendships with people that you've met in college and you think like we had this big connection and you kind of, some of them, once you get out into the real world, you realize we weren't as close as I thought we were. We didn't have a lot in common like I thought we did. Yeah. Um, but because of that longevity and that time spent, you try to hold on to them and then you just get to a point to where it's not worth it. And you realize that. Um, and then again, when you learn self boundaries and setting boundaries towards how you allow people to treat you, you start to realize that. Um, and that was something that I started to realize with like people who, after college, I was like, we were so close then, like what happened? And you realize there's a growth there. Um, well, I think and like, you just don't want to force yourself in anyone's life anymore. So you're just right. like, 
I think this is the the part where I set a boundary and realizing what knowing my worth and I have to kind of let go. Mm-hmm. Well, college is such a exploratory time anyway, where you're really coming into yourself and you can really learn so much about who you are, but you're also still in that space where you are with people in classes or where you're in close proximity with people. Absolutely. Constantly. Absolutely. Whereas then after college, you kind of take that identity and exploration of self. And then it's really like, okay, now how am I going to do this in the real world? Quote unquote. Right. Or like, for sure. Where I'm figuring it out. And yeah, it's hard when you start to realize that once you don't have that context of togetherness in college anymore, that some of those really close bonds feel so different or, or you realize you see them in a different light. And then that almost causes a different whole exploration of self that you kind of aren't expecting to go through again. Absolutely. Because at that point you're like, I'm an adult ish. Yeah. And you're thinking to yourself, <laughs> like, I don't, you know, you get comfortable and you're like, I don't want to have to make friends again, but you have to, you have to do it. It just, it happens. Well, you know, I'm teaching so many seniors right now, so they're going to need to listen to this and hear that too, because I think that is the thing is just sometimes even recognizing what that space is going to look like and hearing from people who've gone through it is so helpful because otherwise just even our own expectations of what that's going to feel like, you know, you think you're going to get out of college and everything's just going to unfold. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. You, there's a, there's a part of you that um, I remember for and for me, it was I totally thought I was going to graduate from college, move to LA, um, work in entertainment, public relations, and have this like fancy life like Lauren Conrad off the hills. <laughs> and it was like the it was like the complete polar opposite. But like I wouldn't change the experience for anything. Like I I learned a lot about myself. I had to learn how to step outside my comfort zone because um, I didn't have friends in LA so I had to learn how to make friends yeah, all so over everyone, again so you did move to LA so you graduated I did yeah yeah yeah. so LA. like yes. I graduated from Texas State in 2010 January of 2011 I went back home to Seattle for like two months and then I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna give this this LA thing a try and so I um this is at the time when Craigslist was still sketchy but kind of safe I definitely wouldn't recommend <laughs> doing this now but I found like a roommate off of Craigslist, moved to LA and just like took a, a bunch of freelance jobs. And freelance is great, um, especially when there's longevity, but when it's a short project, it's mm-hmm. really nerve wracking because then you have to find like another project because you don't want your money to like run out. Right. Um, and uh, I stayed in this like tiny, apart. I shared this tiny apartment um, with a guy who worked for SAG um, on Melrose and it was beautiful because when I opened my window like the curtains to my window I would see the Hollywood sign and so that was like the beautiful part of it Um, but then I realized like I I just didn't have like the energy anymore to like keep interviewing for place after place after place knowing that I was qualified or at least should have made it to you know, a second round of interviews or something. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely brag about myself. I had the experience, you know, I had interned. So I was like, I got this stuff in the bag. Yeah. You're going through those interviews. You have the experience. You felt like you should have been moving farther. So even just one thing you said, when you said you saw the Hollywood sign, you know, at your window, and that was the beautiful part, 
you know, you could have let people believe that that's all there was. You could have. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're like willing to say like, okay, but here's what the reality was. You are going to these interviews. You, you know, that had to have just also done some damage to your self-worth too. Like absolutely. Absolutely. It definitely, like I said, is a, is a hit to the ego a little bit Mm -hmm. um, because you've put in time, you've put in uh, energy this is a, a plan that you've had. And when it doesn't go the way you want it to, you're kind of just like, well, what was it kind of? Yeah. And so I gave LA like nine months. Um, and then after nine months, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back home for a little bit and I'm going to figure out what the next move is. And so I went home back to Seattle for probably about two more months. And then I said, okay, I think I'm going to move to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it seems like quite a jump again. Okay, we went to Seattle, then we went back. To yes. Exactly. You'd been in Texas, so you knew what you were, yeah, you knew what was up. Yeah. Absolutely, right? So at the time, like, I would call people who lived in Houston. Like, I had a lot of friends and roommates from Texas State who were from Houston. So I would call and be like, you know, what's, what's Houston like? Like, tell me about it. And it, it was just like, it's a big city. And I'm like, right, but tell me more. <laughs> like, what else is it? And they were just like, it's a big city and it's hot. And, and I was like, okay, what's there to do there? And there's like, oh, you know, there's a little bit of everything. So um, I was like, okay, I'm still going to do it. Like, even though people don't have a lot of great things to say about this city, I'm still going to move there. I'm going to do it. And they so didn't sell it to you very well at all. They didn't sell it. They didn't sell it. But I was like, I'm going to move anyway. Like, I'm going to see, see what's up. Um, and everyone kept saying, Houston, why don't you move to Austin? And I was like, no, like, I basically went to school in Austin. Like, I want to live somewhere else um and so I moved to Houston and like I remember my first year just being like this is a huge city but I like which is different coming from a smaller city because people would be like oh my gosh weren't you nervous or afraid of driving around or or getting lost and I was like no I think that was the appeal of it to me was kind of getting lost and finding my way around Houston and um Again, because I I have a love for public relations and communications, I met um, a wonderful woman who later would become my mentor named Ashia Berry, who is uh, the co-founder and CEO of a nonprofit called Magpies and Peacocks. It's a upcycling um, nonprofit. And at the time, she had just started her own um, PR company. And I freelance for her as a PR coordinator and met so many great people. At the time, I had met Texas Representative Sylvester Turner. He's now the mayor of Houston. But I met him when he was a Texas representative um, and got to really get into Houston nonprofit arts and culture. And that to me kind of was like, okay, it's not... LA and it's not entertainment PR, but it's Houston and it's arts and I actually kind of like it. And it's still kind of a way for me to express myself creatively. And I get to like write and like do all this fun stuff and bring people together through the power of, of art. Well, um, I think it's so amazing because people don't realize that Houston actually has a really great arts and culture. It's a, it's a great city for arts and culture. <laughs> and that is one of the things that when people, I'm like, when you talk about Houston, don't just say it's big anymore. Say it's like 
an art city. Yeah. And this is such a great example of you just deciding that, okay, what your what you thought your dream was, wasn't working out for who you were. So I'm going to regroup and I'm just going to take a leap of faith, whatever that looks like and see what happens and see. Yes. And that's such a powerful message because I think, you know, you could have all along the way, fear could have stopped you, you know, fear could have prevented you from even going to Cali in the first place. Yeah gone back home and just been like no this is what I know or this is where I want to be but you just knew that you still there was something else that was pushing you and I think it's so beautiful how then you're right you ended up doing really exactly what you were meant to do absolutely yes completely different space it just and that's the thing I think it's such a great message too it's like you know we get so hung up on how we think things have to look or this expectation of what we want instead of it's like what do you want to feel what do you want to put out there what do you want back and you're putting all of that out there and you're growing in all the ways you wanted to, even though the logistics of it don't look the way you would have selected or thought you wanted. And that is one. And yes, that's like 1000% correct. And that is what I've had to tell myself. Like, even though it's not Hollywood, you're still doing something that you actually really like doing. Um, and I'm always in my mind thinking, what else can I do? <laughs> what else can I be doing? Um, but yes, you're absolutely correct. It, it doesn't look how I thought it would, but in, a, in, another, in another way it does. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think then too, you know, just it allowed you such a space to really kind of make your job now more what it is like you got to explore what it was that you liked and have some freedom and flexibility to try some things out instead of just being pigeonholed in one area too absolutely even that exploration of growth for you so you know so talk to us a little bit about like what fuels you now where you're at in your position or or what's happened along the way and and yeah yeah yeah. from houston clearly it's an amazing place (laughs) well beyonce meg the stallion yeah Yeah. so (laughs) i I, I mean, who else do we got? Tons of people. Lots, lots of people. Lots of famous Estonians. I mean, they breed talent here, honestly. Because really? um, of arts and culture, though, again, it's just kind of that feeling. You really can get that, that people don't understand. They think it's something. Absolutely, yes. Um, so what I, what I love about Houston, or what I do currently, I'm a marketing manager for a theater called Stages. Um, check us out, stageshouston.com, shameless plug. Uh, but I... I'm a marketing manager. And so part of, part of that is um, how do we have our audience reflect the city that we live in, right? Mm-hmm. Theater is predominantly a, a white space. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's high time that people know that theater is, is for them, like they are welcomed in theater. And so part of what I do or what I aim to do is make sure that the stories we tell, the people who sit in our in our stages look like the city of Houston. There is no reason that it shouldn't, right? Um, Houston is a big melting pot. Like it is a huge melting pot. You can go five miles in, in either direction and you're in a, a different community. And yeah. so, um, I, again, I think it's re- important that I, re- that I do the work to make sure that that is reflected. And being surrounded by a great team of people, it is super easy to do that, especially when they also believe in what you're trying to accomplish. Um, 
I've worked in the Houston profit arts and culture for about five years. And this is probably the first place where I feel comfortable bringing up those issues and saying like, hey, let's talk about the shows that we're putting on. Let's talk about how our audience looks. Let's talk about how we market to that audience and not just when it's time to put on shows about black pain or shows about brown pain like really bring them in and let them know like this is a place where you belong um and that's where I am now like again uh, I know I said this earlier it's not LA but it's definitely the work that I really love to be doing and um proud to be doing it yeah and so um I'm, I'm glad that I'm in a position that allows me to definitely do that. Well, and there's something being said for when you have pride in what you're doing, it allows you to step into it in a different way too. Absolutely. It's just, you know, I think about all the conversations that you and I've had, you know, way back when over the years too, about, you know, about that idea of representation, you want everybody to be able to go and see these shows and find a piece of them, not just through a storyline, but visually, but through where somebody's been. And I think theater, the conversation really has opened up everywhere because people are like, yeah, it does need to shift and change. Who are we casting? But then also, you know, just the availability of shows for people. I have friends here on a theater board and that was even the cost of attending shows. You know, who are we, who's really able to come? Just all sorts of different ways to look at theater and entertainment because we need, we need children, especially to be able to go to these things and feel that. For sure. We need them to feed their creative spirit and bring up that next generation of performers and creatives. And so I love that you're, you're creating that space again, to just give an opportunity for more people to have access to this space that, you know, is so productive and just so really healing for many people too. Yes. That's also very important to me as well, since I grew up with arts and theater and as a child, as someone who especially loved ballet, it never thought never occurred to me that um, arts were just for one brand of people. I never thought that. And so uh, it was something that I didn't even really notice. And then as an adult and being on the inside looking out, I realized we have a problem, right? Yeah. Um, and so having, I mean, it, it took an adjustment. I'm not going to lie, having to advocate for for space for black and brown people to just come to something like theater. Um, It used to um, kind of almost make me sad a little bit. And then um, I got to a point where I was like, I don't want to be sad anymore about it. I just want to fix it. Yeah. Like any possible way I can fix it. I just want to fix it. And so again, that is one thing that I will say being in a a melting pot of a city has definitely allowed for me to do is is feel more comfortable saying we need more people who look like me in this theater yeah well I mean it's it's just the idea then too that you know that your voice is also being supported and upheld in a different way because there are other people then who are now speaking out and stepping along with you and stating 
you know, and I just, I love seeing the ways then that that allows you to unfold even more creatively, you know, and that's what I think I want people to really understand is like when we can have similar visions or even be able to share ideas, even if we don't start in the same place, but let's talk about what this would look like. Let's explore some of these possibilities and just the energy in those conversations. If we approach it as this idea of like, okay, where can we make this go? there's such there there's such richness in those conversations that really open open us up creatively even if you don't think you're a creative person right your mind starts going in a different direction and i think then the cool thing for me to watch you do is to really see your brain working cuz you do think in those creative spaces and you do think about ways for expansion and i don't know that you would have gotten to do that in some other spaces that you you know that you were existing in absolutely Absolutely. And I will 1000% agree with you on that. I think, um, how do I say this? I think even, even now, like up until very recently, I still had to fight for the right to, to feel like as a manager, like having that title. And I, and I hate to say that, but titles are sometimes Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. Um, but having that title as a manager and knowing what that comes with, still having to fight um, senior senior level management to or leadership to still have my ideas heard or suggestions turn into um, actual things that we put into play. Um, yeah. So yes, the arts has allowed me to do that, but there's still times where I have to fight for that to happen. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I don't want to give any false impressions as though this has been yeah. like everybody was like, where everybody was like, yeah, whatever you want. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing is like, really, you know, you, you, all that work you talked about in the very beginning with your boundary setting and finding your self-worth has also allowed you to feel empowered in using your voice and trying to step in in those spaces where maybe, you know, 10 years ago, people might've made you feel small and that meant have upset you, but then you would have somehow internalized that differently. Whereas now, because of that work that you've done, you're able to then also professionally step into a different space because you're like, no, I deserve to be here. I got this job. So let me tell you my voice and my ideas, and you're going to know where they came from. And that's a testament to the interpersonal work that you did. I think even over any professional work. Truly. Yes. You know, advocating for yourself is a big deal, a big, big deal, Um, especially um, as a woman, but especially as a black woman or a woman of color in the work in the workspace. Mm -hmm. And recently I I advocated for myself. I I was like, you know, the work I've been putting in lately, I think I I think I I kind of I think I'm ready to go and ask for a raise. And I was terrified. Like mm-hmm. I was terrified because I've never done that before. Um, or any time that I thought I was ready to do it and I would ask a friend, like, how would, you know, what do you think I should do? I was always kind of discouraged from doing it. Um, and so recently, I mean, I shouldn't say recently, a year ago, I had a baby. And so I was just I like, know. you know, um, ha- you know, kids are expensive, right? Like yes. she's a joy. I absolutely love her. I, I wouldn't change anything in the world. Um, about how her being here, but they're expensive and they grow super fast. Yeah, I was like, what I was used to being just like a single woman is not going to cut it anymore now mm-hmm. as a parent. Yeah. Um, and so I, I went and I was like, okay, like I spent the weekend practicing like a speech, like I had this whole thing <laughs> prepared, 
And I went in and I spoke to my, my director about it. And um, in short, she was like, yes, like, yeah, <laughs> yes, good. like you, you, first of all, let me congratulate you for advocating for yourself. And so, um, and I think of, when I think about that moment, like after all the adrenaline finally came down and I was like, holy crap, I just did that. I, I sat and wondered like how many opportunities did I be mm. on the floor or were probably lost to me because I didn't advocate for myself because I kept talking myself out of situations or I kept allowing other people to talk me out of situations. Um, And it just made me, it just made me think like, I don't want to do that anymore. Like I don't want to leave any more stones unturned. So if there's something that's of interest to me that I want to do, I don't know if we're allowed to cuss on here, but fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm just going to go after it. Like, I'm just going to go after it because what's like at this point, like the worst that can happen is they just say no. Right. Right. And, and then I either hone in on a skill and try to make myself better so I can get a yes next time, or I just go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I, I told myself, especially once I turned 30, I was like, I'm not going to just leave any opportunities out there anymore like I have to I have to like go after everything that I want that's the only way I'm going to be satisfied and I and I think about this question um that uh my Spanish my Spanish professor at Texas State had told me when I was debating if I wanted to study abroad Mm -hmm. he said are you going to look back on this moment and say I wish I should have or are you going to look back on this moment and say I'm glad I did yeah. And I always think about that. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I use that question a lot, like, especially as I've gotten older, like, am I going to look back on this moment and say, I wish I should have, or I'm glad I did. Um, and so I want more. I'm glad I did. Yeah. Like even like, no matter what the result ends up being, like, I still want to look back and say, I'm glad I did it. Well, and that's um, so much about believing in yourself and taking those steps and having that faith that you, you're also, again, worthy of those things that you deserve, you're deserving of these things. And so often we don't ask, you know, because we, we, for whatever reason, we keep making ourselves smaller or we're afraid or we're worried about what the outcome will be. And instead it's like, I too try to remind myself, it's like, how much energy and time am I wasting thinking about doing the thing instead of just doing the damn thing? you know, like just go sometimes, you know, and that's the thing too, is like recognizing that, you know, I think sometimes we, we just, again, yeah, we hold ourselves back without understanding then the ways that we're keeping ourselves in those spaces, just because we, you know, we don't want to, you know, have a fear of failure or fear of rejection. Absolutely. Somebody is going to say no, but like, is somebody saying no, the end of the world, the absolute worst thing, you know, no, it's not like you just said, okay, well then I'm either going to make myself better or do what's needed to do for that situation. Or I'm going to find a different situation because somebody's saying no to me or somebody turning me down for something doesn't change who I am as a person. That's just sure. about that situation, right? And so Absolutely. I think even like having the awareness like you do to really separate those things. You were like, okay, so if she would have said no, you would have walked out of there frustrated, but you would have still known that that is not not about my self-worth. That is not about who I am. That's not about my job, you know? Right. So, so even that knowledge then allows you to step into spaces differently because you're walking in there asking for things in a different way because you know you deserve them or that you're worthy of them. Absolutely. Um, and that, and that comes along with learning boundaries, like also learning self-worth. Um, yeah. And 
I, I attribute having to learn both as another reason why I, I will say I lost probably some friendships. Like I think when people get used to walking all over you or get used to treating you a certain way, and then you finally Mm -hmm. say, nah, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I I don't like that anymore. You're not going to do that. And you start setting that boundary. Um, they tend to just be like, well, I don't like that. Like, I yeah. like the old you. Yeah, so. the people who benefited the most, the people who benefited the most from you not having boundaries are the people who get all sorts of upset when you start. Yes, right? exactly. Messing up with what they were then getting from you or whatever it is. So that's what's hard because sometimes those are the people who are closest to you or they're the people who you thought were going to adapt with you or grow with you. Absolutely, absolutely. Really difficult. Boundaries are so hard. You know, everybody just thinks, oh, they're easy. But when people sit and look at their lives, it's like most people are good at them in one area, but then are like, it falls apart in others. Or again, it is like, you really think you're going to set this boundary and everybody's going to respect it and it's going to flow just fine. But you know, the actuality of it, it is so much more difficult. So it really is like choosing, Definitely, I'm going to choose myself in this moment, regardless, and remembering that other people's reactions to your boundaries, that's their feelings. You know, it's not your job to manage somebody else's feelings about your boundaries, you know? Absolutely. But that's so Absolutely. much harder to do than to just say, right? It's in oh, that for sure. Those feelings because you're still be- trying to keep like those same people in your life. And you're just like, okay, are you one of those people who aren't going to respect my boundaries? Yeah. And like you said, it's usually the people who you thought were going to grow with you and be a part of your life forever that yeah. you realize, oh shit, like, yeah, you, you're not going to be able to move on with me in this next right. part of, of my growth mm-hmm. because you're one of those people who took advantage of, of, of me when I wasn't my best self. Right. And um, it, it, exactly. And not really recognizing your growth and also then being maybe not supportive of you growing in those directions then because they don't align with who they thought you were. Absolutely. And it can be so hard too, because you do, you have kind of these thoughts where somebody's going to want to just evolve with you. And that's not always how it works out. Yes. Um, again, and that's something I've, uh, in the last, gosh, in the last three years have experienced. And I remember just saying to myself, like, I thought I'd be at that point in my life now where I knew who my friends were mm-hmm. um and had to realize it's not so much about them not being my friends it's just we have come to a place where we view our needs and wants differently mm-hmm. um what I need from you you were I don't want to say incapable because everyone's capable but it's just not what you want to give me right now yes um, mm-hmm. and I have to accept that. It's a hard pill to swallow. Don't get me wrong. It's a really hard pill to swallow. Um, But to me, it's better than the opposite, which is just having someone around just to have them around and then not treating you how you deserve to be treated. Right. And And again, that goes in all types of relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, best friend, like whatever, like every relationship should be, people say 50. 50 50 but I say 100 100 like each of you should go in giving like 100 percent of yourselves especially if you care about someone um and so that realization when you realize I'm giving I'm, I'm emptying I'm pouring more into you than you are into me yeah mm-hmm. it's just kind of like well damn here we are 
Right. And you have a, and you have a decision to make after you that. You do. Cause that's what boundaries do is they also teach you a lot about your relationships. They show you the people who are going to grow and adapt. And then they show you the people who are not going to be respectful of your boundaries. And then you have that choice. You're like, okay, am I going to continue to allow this? Am I going to continue to allow this person to disrespect my boundaries or change my boundaries and sit with how icky that feels? Or am yes. I going to actually, cause that's what it is. Right. And if I change my boundary and I feel mad about it, I can't be pissed at the other person. It's- if I'm yes. the one who changed it, yes. you know, yes. and that's the thing that people need to recognize too. You got to take some ownership. And my students and I were talking, I heard this quote this week that just hit me so hard. It was like, whatever you're choosing not to change, you're continuing to accept. Isn't this conversation with Dominique such a breath of fresh air? I truly feel so honored to have conversations with former students about their journey in life. And this episode is no exception. I have something really exciting to share with you here real quick. I'm hosting a masterclass on November 30th called Becoming a Boundary Badass. We will be meeting on Zoom at 6 p.m. Central to go over the juicy basics of boundaries, including what boundaries are, the benefits of boundaries, how to know when a boundary is needed, insight on how to navigate when a boundary is crossed, and a bonus question and answer time. If you'd like to sign up for the free event, click the link in the show notes or send me a DM on Instagram at Dr. Cassandra LeClaire with the words boundary badass, and I'll send you the link. I'm so excited to help you with this as the holidays can be really overwhelming and stressful for all of us if we're not intentional with our energy within ourselves and with those around us. Now back to the episode with Dominique or something like that. So it's like, if you're choosing not to change it, you're continuing to accept it. And I was like, oh yeah. And so often we get into that. It's like, no, we have to make the choice to change it, you know, otherwise, and and it is a choice. And sometimes it's that choice every day or every single moment, (laughs) you know, like, or reminding yourself, why am I making this choice? Cause it is hard, you know, especially if you're disappointing somebody or if it's somebody that you do love and care about, or you don't want them to be upset with you. So like really remembering, okay, I'm setting this boundary because if I don't, here are the consequences to me, you know, absolutely professionally, you know, energetically, whatever it is, but that's, it's hard work. And that's the thing, yeah. like, reminding yourself that this is work too, that we're doing. And like you said, it makes you feel icky, like sitting with that knowing, like almost it's like, you're beating yourself up. It's like, I know I, I should cut this person from my life. Or I know I should remove yeah. this person, or I know this person is no longer respecting our friendship or, or honoring whatever we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but being, being scared to, to, to cut that rope because of, again, like all this time, I thought you'd grow with me as a person. Yeah. Um, and so it just becomes like difficult. It becomes hard. Yeah. Um, but we yes, like you, you, I like the word that you use, you said yucky. And so, yes, you sit with that and you feel kind of yucky that you're just like allowing this to, yeah. to happen. Well, and then I think too, it's like really sitting, you know, I got to the point where in some instances every time I would think about like that person or the situation, I started to like make a note of it. And so then at the end of one day, I was like, oh, that's how much time this is taking up. That's how much yes. energy, yes. that's how many times throughout the day I'm going back to that situation. And if I weren't going back to that situation, what else could I be thinking about, you know, and talking about it. And so really it's like, you know, sometimes getting to the place where you're setting the boundary is the hard part, right? Cause you got to work through all of that. But then once you finally make a decision to just, it's like you were saying with the race, to just go in and do it or just go in and have the conversation just to do whatever you think feels what you need to do, then that's a different space you can step into. Then you're like, okay, I'm no longer sitting here wondering 
what's going to happen over there or no longer feeling icky or yucky because, you know, I went against my boundary, but instead I'm just going to own whatever this is and know that I'm doing this because this is what I need to do for me. Yeah. Absolutely. And honestly, again, I attribute that to one therapy. If anyone, like, I don't, I, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. I know some people are very still, still iffy about it, but I, I, I attribute a lot of my growth in the last, I'm going to say six years to therapy for sure. Um, because I, a lot of things that you let go unchecked that you've either forgotten about and you've kind of just like put in the back of your mind mm-hmm. um subconsciously is that the right word subconsciously still kind of bother you like you don't know that they're bothering you but they kind of mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. um and I and I think that that was one thing that just sitting I think the first few sessions just sitting in therapy and just like talking mm-hmm. just me just like talking out loud uncovered so much stuff about myself that I yeah put away that I had was like this isn't a big deal or or it's fine I'm just going to swallow this and get over it um and I hadn't (laughs) and I I hadn't um and a lot of that again it, it brings me back to boundaries like a lot of times I I would look at situations and go I wouldn't have been so hurt or disappointed or let down in that situation if I had set a boundary or if I had um Mm -hmm. told this person immediately how I felt about something instead of waiting um so yes I I always go back to everything comes back to like setting a boundary like again personal life work life yeah you have to set boundaries and then recognizing the shame cycle you know everything you just the shame cycle that you go into if you didn't set a boundary you know so that's what you said you're looking back and you're like oh if I would have done this then that wouldn't have happened you know that's you're shaming yourself for not standing up for yourself or your belief or whatever it is so it's like that's what we need to hang on to we need to say sit with that shame and be like oh yeah I don't like this feeling so what am I going to do next time to prevent this feeling right and like that's what it is it's like okay yeah, mm -mm, I don't want to be here again. So instead, the next time, you know, I'm going to recognize that this is not where I want to be. And that's why I need the boundary or that's absolutely, absolutely. And it takes work too. Like you said, you know, it takes work. It takes practice. It takes, you know, sometimes that's what I tell everyone to start small. Okay. Start with something that doesn't mean anything there, you know, (laughs) start with something. (laughs) Don't ever, I'm going to say, don't ever pray for patience like don't like that is a big (laughs) jump like that is a huge one and I feel like I've made that mistake so many times like I really need to learn how to be more patient okay like today's a day I'm gonna I'm gonna like practice patience um and I feel like God's just like okay you said it (laughs) let me test you a little bit on yeah and I'm just like okay wait a minute that wasn't I'm not ready for that um but yeah start small for sure like um I, I'm an overthinker. I will, I will, I will tell people that right away. Like I'm an overthinker. I'm an overcommunicator and an overthinker. So I would much rather you overcommunicate with me. Um, so my mind doesn't overthink. Yes. Um, and especially last year, it like reared up and, um, I'm, I'm so glad that, um, between my therapist and like my friend we were all like keeping each other like in check but I I remember saying like I need help with stopping of overthinking because I found myself going to sleep at like midnight and then like waking up at 
four o'clock in the morning and I'm just up, just like overthinking. Um, and so I remember my uh, therapist saying, start with something small. Like when you find yourself overthinking, um, she's like, how do you feel about coloring books? And I was like, coloring's great. She was like, okay, start coloring. Um, she's like, or writing. She's like, distract your brain. Yep. Um, refocus. And refocus, yes. And so I, I downloaded so many apps. I downloaded Duolingo. I started repracticing Spanish. Like, and and I it started with something like work. Like, of course, since everyone was working from home, like if I messed up something at work, it would just, I, I, I'm not one of those people who like, okay, it happened. Now let's move forward. Like my brain was like, you messed up at like nine o'clock this morning and we're just going to keep thinking about it throughout the day. Um, and I remember one day screwing up at work and having to be like, you know what? I can't go back and change it. Yeah. Like I can't, like mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do. It's happened. It's over. Um, next time I just have to be more careful and to stop myself from overthinking. Like I, I wrote that down, like, you know, it happens, it happens. Yeah. Um, next time just double triple check your work like I had to like write it out in order for it to stop being on my brain mm-hmm. so yes it, it always starts with like little stuff yeah um so that way when the when the bigger stuff does come mm-hmm. um I've I've learned how to be emotional but not um how do I want to say this I've You're learned not being how reactive. To, the reactive yes yes Mm-hmm. not reactive absolutely yeah. um and and I think that's super important because there there I used to do both I used to be very good at being uh emotional and reactive yeah same um <laughs> and, and and um I also had to learn another big lesson which was everything and this is how I stopped my not stopped but this is what kind of puts my overthinking into perspective is everything isn't about you, right? Because yeah. if I call someone and they don't answer the phone or yes. I'll, I'll send someone a text message and they don't respond quick enough to what I feel they should be responding, my mind is just like the worst. <laughs> like yeah. it's thinking, yeah. it's thinking like they, they don't want to talk to you. They're ignoring you. You're bugging them too much. You become a nuisance. And I remember someone telling me, they were just like, I'm busy doing X, Y, and Z, Dominique. Like everything isn't about you. And I was like, damn. Yeah. You're right. Like it's not. No, just if that's like the number one piece of advice, I think, and I had to learn this. It took me so long, but now I tell myself this, I tell everybody this, if we could all just stop taking everything so personally, like seriously, and recognize that not most, everything is not about us. Like that's other people's stuff, that's their life, that's whatever they've got. And then stop reacting to that. Yes. We would be so much better off, right? If we could yeah. just start there, you know, but that, Absolutely. You know, so much of that is, is, is just trained and everything you're saying, yeah, your subconscious, you know, that's why, again, starting small, because you really are, we're retraining our brains to think differently, retraining our brains to react and respond differently because Absolutely. your body, your brain, we, we learn those patterns. So then that just does become your go-to, right? And so that's where, yeah, let's all step back a little bit, sit with it, and then recognize where we're going, where, what we really want instead of just those reactions or instead. Re- of- absolutely. Absolutely. And so and again, that's another tough pill to swallow when you're oh, like, sure. thing isn't about me. Like, yeah, right. And it's like, hard because it's somewhere along the line, all of us have been told that, but it's probably been in a moment where we are feeling that. So then it's like the response absolutely. is, just like, what do you mean I'm reactive? I'll show you reactive. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And because again, like 
in that moment when you're feeling something, you're like, well, I'm feeling this way and it is about me. And they're like, yeah, yeah but it isn't like right. you're feeling how you feel. And I don't want to invalidate your feeling, but that's not what's happening on my end. Right. <laughs> so, right. And just and so and then really <laughs> allowing yourself to understand that. And then also having relationships where people are just open with you about that. Like, look, yes. actually, you know, I actually am having this over here. And that's what I think the beauty of my friendships now too, is my friends absolutely know, like I'm the worst at responding. Like I teach <laughs> about communication and then I'm like actually the worst <laughs> at it in my relationships. You know, it's like, oh yeah, Cass forgot to actually hit send again. Oh yeah. She just actually not honestly I feel like that's a communications thing because like my mom she's like how are you a communications major and you sometimes don't know how to communicate I'm like the worst at it I don't know (laughs) yeah it's but it's learning that you know it's like you said way back in the beginning already you know the people who are going to be there for you who are really there for you and that's what this you know the communication the boundary setting it's like when you find the people who are there for that who are there for the growth and who are there along with you and who are going to tell you yeah hey that's not about you or like you know come on stop this you know get out of your head on that Like that's what all of this inner work, you're doing it. So not only you can feel better about yourself, but then you get to step into those, those relationships where those people just feed you to continue that growth. Yes. Be better. And what it does, it also connects you to people who are also, um, who know how to adult, (laughs) who know how to communicate and who know how to, um, there's some, like, there's nothing more reassuring to me again in relationships across the board then when someone says I understand how you feel yeah um and and can like they show empathy right like there's mm-hmm. something um like empathy plus a hug and that's one reason I tell people I hate giving hugs not because I, I hate being touched but I know like what like when I hug you like it's like I want to just I want to put all like everything that I'm feeling I just want to like put it into you in that moment Mm -hmm. um and so that's why I only hug particular people and I'm like I know I'm going to receive that kind of love back in essence um but there's something that's really beautiful in in all relationships having someone who understands you and sees you at your worst and is still like I'm not going anywhere yeah um and um I was actually having this conversation last night with someone they were just like I think all of my like they're they don't really talk to their high school friends like the friends they're still in contact with are mm-hmm. their friends from college and I was like it's opposite for me like my friends from high school and I like when d- during last year the shutdown we used to get on um what's it called clubhouse party house it was some app where you can yeah. like play games uh-huh. with each other but we would like every Friday at like 10 o'clock our my time they live in Seattle so it was eight o'clock uh, up there we would like get on this app we'd play games and just like talk into like the wee hours of the night and it was just like you know my high school friends are the people who I still are like my people like they're my backbone and then like mm-hmm. here in Houston my my co-workers here they're like my tribe and and those are the two people who kept me afloat last year you know being pregnant during a pandemic and trying to like figure out okay what's next and Mm-hmm. what's going to happen with work like those are the people who I surrounded myself with and having them there and be like Dom we're here for you and like mean that meant yeah. so much to me yeah so much to me 
Well, and I think that that's just, again, such a good testament to you being able to recognize who's doing that for you, understanding the spaces where you can reach out when you needed support and then really feeling, yeah, like some people had your back and like that you were supported. And there's something that, you know, especially like you said, within the last year and all of the things that you had going on and just that are going on in the world, that's what, you know, that connection and that feeling of support from other people can get you through so many different Absolutely. situations. Absolutely. I'm so excited that we got a chance to talk today. I'm really appreciative that you were able to just share your story. Thank oh my you for, gosh. This thank was you for great. coming in, even though I know you have to get to work. I really appreciate it. No, you know what? And, and I look, I had told myself I was, as soon as I got called in, I was like, I'm not rescheduling this. So we're just going to <laughs> No, I'm glad we made it work. Okay. So where, where do you want people? Is there anything um, that we can tell people where to find you or anywhere that you want them to go to or look Yes, up? please, please, please check out stageshouston.com, www.stageshouston.com. Um, we are a nonprofit medium-sized theater here in Houston, Texas. Um, we put on wonderful productions. Our season actually starts this Friday and we're kicking off with Hook's Tale. Um, it is the story of Captain Hook, but told from Captain Hook's perspective. So um, it's kind of like, what is it, Wicked. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, check us out online on, on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all stage at Stages Houston. Um, and come check us out if you ever find yourself in the Houston area and, and ask for Dominique, I am, I am here. Yay. Oh, well, I'm so glad that we got to chat. I know there are so many things that will really help people just really, you know, see pieces of themselves and everything that you've gone through and hopefully Absolutely. help I encourage hope, yes. others to really step into those spaces. So thank you again. Thank We're so you. excited for here. And much love to you. Love you. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>